Welcome to this Thursday evening meeting podcast from Kingdom Faith Yorkshire. This evening's message is by Paul Abel. Praise God. <laughs> Thank you. It's good to be back. I feel like I've been on the road forever. Right. We had a good time down in London. Hallelujah. Yeah, it was a really good time. Uh, it was great to be in London. I haven't been in London since, and those of you that don't know, I don't know them, I apologise, since Les and Dot Mitchell used to lead Kingdom Faith London. And that was right near the beginning when they used to have prayer meetings on a, on a Friday night. And I spoke at a little church they were using just off of Oxford Street. So it was nice to go back. They now meet at a community centre in Covent Garden. They do get all the name locations, don't they? I mean, we meet in Covent Garden. Oh, how cool is that? Um, and uh, it was fun, we, because we, we went to see Tom first, just to stay there overnight, and then we drove down to Horsham. So it was unusual sort of to drive, in Lon- drive into London, across London, and out of London. And um, so one of the parts we were driving in was where I used to work, when I worked in the, for NatWest Bank as well. And that was just really weird, thinking, here I am, driving past that bank that's still there. <laughs> I had no idea what was going to happen with my life <laughs> when I was working there. When I was working in the bank, I was very depressed. I didn't know the Lord. Well, I, I got saved when I was a kid, but I'd gone away completely from God. And um, I used to go in on the tube commuting in the morning, and I'd be wanting the train to crash, not, not really very thoughtful of the others, uh, so that I could, I could go to hospital and get some weeks off work. That, that's how much I loved working for the bank. <laughs> hated it, hated it, hated it. I worked in the city and then I worked in the West End. And uh, my cousin's husband said to me, well, why don't you go to university? And I thought, well, if it gets me out of this, it's better than nothing. And that's where I met the guy that then brought me back to God. And I met Brian and Kath Blacklock, who many of you know now because they come here and, in fact, should be moving here this year. It's like full circle. Oh, dear, the guy that discipled me when I was trouble. <laughs> You're going to get so many stories, bad ones. <laughs> and you're all being, wow, doesn't God work miracles? <laughs> and I'll just cringe. <laughs> Hallelujah. So that was good. Um, I obviously spoke on the Trinity. Um, what else would I speak on, really? Uh, community, being missional. I mean, that's my uh, the real thing that God's just been speaking to me for about two years, probably. And it's just, it's just such a, a powerful thing. And most people, we're, we're getting quite used to the kind of way I talk and probably sometimes think not again. But <laughs> for them, it was fresh. And they are like, wow, you're getting wows from people listening. And this is amazing. And they're so hungry. And I used another variant, really, of the same similar thing uh, when I spoke at the leaders' conference as well. And the leaders are coming up to me afterwards saying, wow, that's amazing. That's, yeah, I hadn't thought of it like that before. So we're, we're very blessed that God has given us all that so far. Hallelujah. I listened to the podcast from Sunday on the way back. I thought Shona spoke brilliantly. She was very vulnerable and very open, and that's a very courageous thing to do when you're preaching because there's so many people listening. And, um, and that's an amazing breakthrough. And I think actually it would have brought breakthrough into people's lives as well. So uh, well done. Uh, and, and, and don't let this go on the recording. <laughs> we also listened to Judith Butler from the Sunday before. You were much better. 
<laughs> That's the pastor in Torkton. I might have been biased. <laughs> Hallelujah. Kate's not here tonight. She is marvelously recovered, but um, I'm trying to make her be wise. Uh, she probably could have done it, you know, and it's just, no, just, just take your time. You were seriously, seriously ill. <laughs> uh, in fact, everybody in Horsham kept saying to oh, didn't expect to see you here. <laughs> it takes a lot to keep us away. It was a really good conference, actually. Such a sense of what's next in the Lord. I mean, I, I don't know. I've got sort of, these are my, uh, I've got my conference notes here. I've got different bits and pieces. I've got a, we kept using this video, which is a, um, from Evelation. Um, music as well, which it just really summed up a lot of the call. Uh, Pastor Collins spoke from one of those posters up there. Uh, It's the one that, well, he didn't use the right version. He didn't use the 2011 NIV, so it was just with boldness. But the 2011 NIV is replaced boldness with shameless audacity, which is actually closer to the Greek. But uh, except that it's kind of redundancy, because audacity means shameless boldness. So it's a shameless, shameless boldness. (laughs) And the shamelessness comes, there's there's sort of two things to it, isn't there? Do you remember? It's it's the fact that you are without shame before God because of what he's done and being confident in that. And I think a lot, as we've moved on from those days and we've sort of appreciated joining, living with the Trinity and sort of living in that life, um, you even understand how more you're accepted in Christ and that he welcomes you, God does, into who he is. We are his body. It's incredible privilege. It's, it's amazing. And um, so there's the shamelessness of coming before God without shame. But there's also, I think, I almost imagine people shouting at us as we pray, Have you no shame? And of course we say, no, <laughs> because of the way we're praying. You know, this is the, the, where this passage occurs, of course, is where the disciples have said to Jesus, will you teach us to pray like you pray? Because there's something going on there that we haven't got. And this is incredible. I know we've done this before, but it's so important. We, we, we've got to make sure we, uh, God really spoke to me. I mean, it was only part of one of Pastor Collins' talks, but God really spoke to me. Don't let that go. I was thinking of last Thursday, and I thought last Thursday we'd let it go a bit. You know, we've had a lot of really quiet times in God, and that's good. Don't get me wrong. But there was a time last week when we should have let the Spirit lead us boldly, not boldlessly, boldly, (laughs) shamelessly, but boldly. (laughs) And uh, pick it back up again. Run with it. And it's, it's... and Jesus then teaches them, you know, the Lord's Prayer. We won't go through that. But uh, he, he teaches them that as a, this is the way to pray. He wasn't giving them a formula in the sense of use these words every time you pray. He's, he's saying this is an example. Father, he starts with the intimacy, the shamelessness of calling Yahweh to the Jews. Father. Straight in there, everybody, not, not just the priests, maybe they might get away with it, the high priest or maybe the prophets of old, but now he's saying, come on, all of you, we can pray. You're going to pray like me? Pray in intimacy. Come into the relationship that I have. You're going to pray out of relationship. 
And when you're in a good relationship with somebody, you would ask them things that you would never ask anybody else. I mean, I asked Levi if he would dress up as a, as a bunny rabbit at the Easter fun day, for example, because he's my friend. I wouldn't ask somebody else, necessarily. I thought you had a bottle of beer, then. <laughs> That's freedom. <laughs> oh, you just, <laughs> it's going to take you that long to work out courage to wear it. <laughs> I don't know if that's even happening. I mean, you know, but, but, sorry? You put it on the sheet. Awesome. And I, I see this one on order, but, you know, it's, it's in Kate's well now, and it's, uh <laughs> I will catch up with her organization. But, you can, when, you, when you're with a friend, you can be much more you know, shameless in the sense of just asking them direct. And that, but then Jesus goes even further here because he then tells those couple of parables, the one of the widow and the one of the man needing bread. The, one needing, the man needing bread is where we get the shameless audacity from. And he says, he's teaching them, don't give up. If you're praying for something, don't think if you're going to pray to the Father... God in heaven, hallowed be your name. Don't let that become such a reverence that you think, oh, well, I better not bother him. Because if he hadn't balanced the Lord's prayer with these parables, you can... We don't bet. Bet your bottom dollar. We don't do dollars either. But you can guarantee, thank you for the sanctified language, Nigel. <laughs> That's much better expression. You can have the Holy Spirit as a guarantee rather than you can bet your bottom dollar you've got the Holy Spirit. Yeah, as a guarantee works better, I feel. But here, you're gonna, you, you, you can guarantee that what would have happened in the church because we always default to going back to religion in the wrong sense of religion, legalism, we should say, really. Um, and we would have made, in that legalism, oh, well, it says Father, but then it says, hallowed be your name, so holy is the name of the Father. And you can imagine, already, it's going off, it becomes a prayer that you repeat ten times, oh, and, and but on a formula rote. And that wasn't what Jesus was saying. He's saying engage in intimacy. Now, I would contend, actually, that some of the people of old that did repeat that prayer were seeking God in intimacy, but let's leave that to one side. Let's just look at what then happened next. Jesus saying, but if you're going to pray, don't give up. I don't think he's saying that God is like the wicked judge. I think that's very unlikely, don't you? He's just saying that you need to pray like she was, because it's the person, the, 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 if the reluctant person in this prayer relationship is us. We're the ones that want to give up, usually, actually. We're the ones that don't keep praying because we haven't seen it yet. And Jesus just teaches this wonderful part on persistent prayer. I do apologize if you don't know it very well. I'm just kind of assuming you all know uh, the passage um, in Luke 11 where he teaches all these things. So the friend wants bread, and it's the middle of the night, because somebody's arrived. Hospitality is important in this culture. He couldn't say, KFC's still open, nip down the road and get some chicken, and we'll have some of that. 
He wants to be able to provide for him. And there was no KFC. Revelation. Kingdom Faith Church. Um, he says, I've no food to offer. Don't bother me. The door's already locked. Yet I tell you, this is the story of the guy wanting the bread. I tell you, he will not get up and give you bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity. Come on, God! You say, that's a bit rude, isn't it? There's a time for that. It's because God can take it, and we need to have that desperation in the way we pray. It's not for us that we pray like that. The legalistic person will say, shame on you for addressing God like that. And all I can say is, well, God seems to like it. And the reason God likes it is because he wants us to be passionate and persistent to have a shameless audacity in taking hold of the things he's promised us. Because we don't live in, on that sort of cruise ship, as I was saying the other week. We live on a battleship. It's no good sitting on a deck chair and moving it every now and again because the guns affect your sun. You know, you keep getting in the shade because of the shade of this big grey thing that sticks out to destroy the enemy. We've been given tools to destroy the enemy, not to put us in the shade, but to destroy the enemy with. We're not lazing around on a deck. Even if you, you know how, what a great fan I am of using the old, really old Jesus prayer. When you're using that prayer, you're not passive. You are more active than ever. Um, and, and very often, um, some of the spiritual men of old would be reluctant to teach it to people for the, for the fear that they would just think it was a formula to recite and that would make God do something. Because it had to be an active seeking. It's amazing, isn't it, how often in the Bible it talks about being loud, though. And how often that's one of the things that goes first as the church slows down and dies. Never quite dies. But as the church gets more and more legalistic, you can usually guarantee that's the thing that's written out. You know, if a liturgy is formed, then there's nothing wrong with having a liturgy if you keep it alive and powerful. But you can bet it often gets reduced to quietness and mumbling. I mean, from, um, is it, yes, it's from, from something to something in the Anglican Church. It's either to Easter, it's from Easter, I think, to Pentecost. In the liturgy, there's a little thing that says, Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ will come again. I think it's that bit. And even in the written liturgy, that bit is supposed to be shouted. Between, only between Easter and Pentecost, because we can't have too much. But, you know, <laughs> Christ has died! Christ has risen! Christ will come again! Yeah. I mean, that would shake a few stones, wouldn't that? I mean, just the people. <laughs> Shameless audacity. The, I, I would guess two themes really coming out of this time, and I'm telling you all this because this is going to affect how we pray, obviously, not just to tell you stories. But... The two strong themes coming out from this, from this thing, prayer, but coming from purity with an expectation of harvest. And I tell you what's really fascinating, because as you know, we don't have lots and lots of meetings as Kingdom Faith leaders. 
We prefer to listen to the Holy Spirit and be led by him. And then we come together and we're all pleasantly surprised that we're all doing the same thing. <laughs> but you know what? We always are. It's incredible. You, you, you listen to the recorded messages every now and then, and you think, that's what we were saying the other, last week. And that's what, you know, it's amazing how they, they meld together. And when we, when we, when you, if you listen to the talks from the conference, just go to kingdomfaith.com forward slash one way, and you can listen to them, I think. Um, because the conference is called One Way. If you listen to them, One Way 2019, that's the address. Um, if you listen to them, you'll see there's an incredible flow. You think we had sat down and planned it. Well, you do that, you do that. And Clive said, oh, I've got this video. And, oh, I'm, yeah, and then there's that. And we've got another video that really works. Yep, yep, put it all down. Write it all down, plan it all. The planning listed... 10 or 11 meetings, that was the planning. Oh, and a, and a schedule of who was probably going to speak when. There's always a probably with Kingdom Faith. You never know for sure. <laughs> can change any minute. You could be sitting there thinking, great, I, needed a, I, need, I just need to talk and rest for a minute. And, and, and someone will walk up and say, we really think you've got the word of the Lord for this one. You've always got to be ready. <laughs> but we are always ready if we're listening to the Spirit, aren't we? That's why when in, in the leadership of this place, it could be very frustrating for some people because I don't like having lots of meetings. It's not just that I don't like meetings. I think it's important that we're led by the Spirit in whatever we're doing and however we're doing. You know, it's important to have some, but let's be led by the Spirit. And we'll find we're all in step because the spirit himself is not contradictory. You need more meetings when people are walking in disobedience and trying to do their own thing. And if you have lots of meetings, the temptation is not to need to listen to the Holy Spirit because someone's written it all down for you. So I put Alex in a pickle every Sunday, really, because he never knows what I'm going to do. <laughs> Except that he does because he listens to the Holy Spirit. And we do, it's not that we don't plan anything, and we do follow patterns, but as you know, we could just break out of those at any time. Because that's how we should live our lives, led by the Holy Spirit. I mean, Chris and Bridget didn't move to Scarborough because they fancied the climate. <laughs> or at least they're now discovering that's what <laughs> As they lived on the mild Isle of Wight. But they moved here because God told them to move here. Yeah. And they, they've become part of who we are. But I'm not checking up on what Chris is speaking and, oh, is it okay? I just trust that he'll listen to, the, listen to God and go with it. I mean, we probably should have another meeting and just catch up with news, but, yeah, we should do that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> we'll sort that. <laughs> But not because I've got to check up on him or he's got to check up on me and make sure that the church is doing the right thing. We're going to trust one another to be men who listen to God. And we need to do a lot more of that. It doesn't mean you don't support people and walk with people and train people and disciple people or even bring a word of correction as a leader into someone's life. Of course, you still, there's still room for that to happen. But the correction comes because you've let them run. And that's what's so funny when Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray here. Because they've already been on mission. 
He just trusted them. Just go, heal the sick. Tell them that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Raise the dead if necessary. Cast out demons. And they haven't even had the how to pray lesson yet. Which teaches us that the moment you're saved, you can heal the sick, cast out demons and prophesy, and, and we now know as well, prophesy and pray in tongues and operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit from that moment onwards. Because it's the Holy Spirit, not us. Sometimes people learn how to crush the Holy Spirit and make sure he doesn't operate through them. But really, and that's why children can pray and miracles happen. It's not to do, operating in the Spirit is not our maturity. Now, for those gifts to not run amok, we want people to grow in maturity. That's what was happening in Corinthians, of course. It was chaos. Because they all believed and trusted in the Holy Spirit. And everybody was trying to get their word in edgeways. Just have two or three prophecies at a time and listen to what God is saying, rather than trying to shout one another out. You know, you can imagine, it was so chaotic. What a wonderful place to be, rather than everybody sitting there. (laughs) We've got to get much better... We tend to use these things nowadays. We don't really have to, but it's useful, particularly when we want to have a record of what was said and stuff like that, which can be really good when there's prophetic words. So we have these things. We do split up into groups. But let us not forget, you are the trained ones. What does this mean? That's a good definition. Yeah, it's free. Come and use it. It's been, I've, I've deliberately put it there. If I haven't, it's my fault. <laughs> if I put it there by accident and you come up and prophesy for Britain it was my fault that I let you get away with it <laughs> if I don't want you to prophesy I should hold on to it sometimes I do hold on to it for a little while because I'm giving time for us to focus on God in the worship very occasionally I forget and put it down there and think oops somebody might hey wouldn't that be good wouldn't that be good? I mean, I better not put it there now. Somebody will come up and I know what you like. <laughs> Roy will be there in a flash, won't you, Roy? <laughs> he said, I don't care that he's still speaking. He said. <laughs> and Corinthians says two or three at a time, so we can have Roy or Paul. Roy and Paul, that's only two. <laughs> Sorry, Roy. But we're all hearing from God. It's that we're all hearing in submission to God. Don't make the the mistake of the rebels that say we all hear God, so my way is better than your way, leader. Don't do that either, because that's rebellion and that caused Korah an awful lot of trouble in the desert. Look up the name Korah and see what happened. And that was, they were all saying, oh, we all hear God. But they weren't saying we all hear God so that we move forward together. They were saying, we're hearing God, so stuff you, Moses. It was an attitude behind it. Two things before we do the next bit. Um, I'll probably tell this on Sunday, so apologies for you hearing the story twice, but uh, it's only a very short one. Uh, we, uh, we were praying for the, some leaders from Switzerland. There was quite a big group from Switzerland at the leaders' conference. And uh, I just prayed for this um, lady, uh, and uh, God gave me a word of prophecy for her. And it was... It was it was one of those ones where you think, I hope that's right, because that's a bit specific. 
you know the ones? <laughs> and, uh, but she just said, she looked at me then, she said, well, I know it's true, because you've said it. And at first I was very sort of, that's not good, trust, trust God, which is, of course, correct. But then she, went, she then explained, she said, because I know you hear God. And, she, and I said, well, why, why are you saying that? She said, because last year, she said, you caught me in the coffee shop area two minutes before I left. The whole conference was over. The whole leadership conference had finished, and I hadn't recognized it. She said, and I was standing there. I'd done the whole conference, and I was quite down because I was in so much pain. She said, I had two sticks, and I was struggling to walk. I'd been struggling throughout the whole conference, and I'd been in... Um, this, this has been a condition for quite some time. And she said, and you came up to me and said, God wants to heal you before you go. And, uh, she's, and I, she said, I thought, well, he's had all conference to do it. Why would he do it here in the coffee shop just as I'm leaving? <laughs> <laughs> but she let me pray because she'd heard me preach. So she decided I was, because that was her, for her, she was a bit newer to Kingdom Faith then. So decided I must be one of the leaders, so I was probably fairly safe. And maybe I'd heard God. But that was just that little bit. What she actually did, I'm making it sound funny, but what she actually did was recognized, as I'd said, you're going to be healed before you go. She wasn't looking at Paul Abel because she didn't even know Paul Abel. She was looking at the anointing and that I was a leader and that anointing. And so I, I, it was, I, 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 as she was telling me, I remembered, and it was very brief. It was one of those, God, get rid, uh, no, I spoke to the pain, told it to go, and said, receive your healing. And I probably said, are you feeling anything yet? Because I often do. And uh, she didn't. I remember that, and she walked out, or hobbled out on her sticks. This year, she said to me, two minutes after I left the building, the pain vanished from my body. I stood up straight, and I've walked perfectly ever since. <laughs> but I didn't know, because it was after she'd gone. <laughs> she was literally in the car park, and I was still in the building. <laughs> so I thought that was really kind of God to send me to her to give her a prophetic word so that she could tell me that story, and you just get that little bit of encouragement. But the thing was, she was doing the same thing again. She said, that word that you've spoken into my life, I know that's going to come true because of the anointing that's on you. Maybe I'll pick on, up on this on Sunday. Uh, because, because it's very important that we honor the anointing that are on people's lives. And that's why the Bible also says to give leaders a double honor. It's not so I get a cushy ride or because I'm superior. It's because you, I'm not. I am nothing apart from Christ. I can do nothing apart from Christ. And if I'm living in obedience, I'm only doing what the Father's telling me to do. So we respect the anointing rather than just think, in this particular case, I know I'm talking about me, it's just Paul. I know Paul. I sat in a pub with him. It's just Paul. But that was the problem in Nazareth with the Son of God. It's just Joseph's son. 
just the carpenter's son. And he just did a few miracles. Well, he was the son of God. But then you think, and this is the point that perhaps I will say it again on Sunday, but let's sow it out there, and then you can be ready for it. And then when I'm saying it, just be praying over everybody that we get revelation together. Because, of course, the Bible says submit to one another. Honor one another. Why? Because of the anointing on all of us. If we truly saw how anointed Donna is, imagine the respect, the honor we would give her. I'm not saying you treat her like a ball of rubbish. At least I hope we don't. But the anointing on everybody. There would be people on Sunday that when Shona preached, some people would have got free. They were the ones that recognized that even apart from Shona, it's nothing to do with her, really. She's just being obedient and speaking. And if she's speaking in obedience, the anointing that's on her, and there is an anointing on her, you must receive. Incredible anointing on every person in this room right now. And it begins with that culture of honor and respect to one another. And yes, double honor to those who God has placed in positions of leadership. Because he's placed them in positions of leadership, so you're honoring God for his decisions. It doesn't mean we're foolish. If, honor, if leaders are doing deceitful or evil things, they still need to be held accountable. We don't just say, oh, that's okay, we will just ignore it because of the anointing on them. No, that would be wrong too. And you remember the fear, even thinking in those situations, the, the fear really on David of touching Saul. Shameless audacity. So God's promise to salvation not un- we're all feeling this is not a word for 10 years anymore or 20 it's a now word this is the time we've been, we've been prophesying it since 2012 with a conference this is the time this is the time this is the time for harvest but it's the people that are coming for the harvest God wants them to be part of communities which are working as communities and walking in purity. We're seeking to live according to this word, to glorify God in everything we do. Does this glorify God should be a constant thing on our minds, shouldn't it? So many people split away from the community God has placed upon them because of a dispute or they don't agree on something. Does this glorify God when we break away? I praise God he doesn't break away from us when he disagrees with some of our theology. <laughs> Wouldn't that be terrible? We'd never have him around. <laughs> it's not that we, we must seek and passionately to be living by the truth, which is good theology. The best theology is Jesus. If you want to know theology, get to know Jesus. Walk in relationship with him. But it's a time to pray shamelessly 
calling out to God. And yes, there is that time to really cry out to God. Let me just read this bit. I was wondering whether to read this or not, but I'm going to. From Job. Everybody's heart sinks. <laughs> this is good. I have not, it's always been here, but I've never really taken it in. It's from Job 11. And I think it's a prophetic word to us. It's certainly a prophetic word to us as kingdom faith in the, in the nation. Yet, if you devote your hearts to him, obviously the Lord, and stretch out your hands to him, if you put away the sin that is in your hand and allow no evil to dwell in your tent, then free of fault, you will lift up your face. You will stand firm and without fear. You will surely forget your trouble, recalling it only as waters gone by. Life will be brighter than the noonday, and darkness will become more like morning. You will, secure, you will be secure because there is hope. You will look about you and take your rest in safety. You will lie down with no one to make you afraid, and you will court, many will court your favor. But the eyes of the wicked will fail, and escape will elude them. Their hope will become a dying gasp. It's a powerful word. But it's harvest and purity. It's answer to prayer alongside purity. There is coming amongst us. It's begun already in this as a community. But God is going to help us to live in purity by helping us to be accountable to one another. Not accountable in the sense of someone in charge of you, but just that confession. The word actually says confess your sins to one another. The most reason people don't confess their sins to one another is they're afraid that they will be rejected or judged or even put out of fellowship if they've done something terrible. And you realize that if there is that feeling, how far have we stepped away from who God is? Since we can confess our sins to God and he will never reject us, it actually leads us into greater intimacy. But part of being free, particularly of things, there'll be so many people who they have particular things that they constantly fail in. You know, they, they fail, repent to God, get back on track, sin, repent to God, get back on track. And that's, that's okay, you're still doing the right thing, but you really want to be free. And that's why God put us in the body. Sometimes you just need others to be with you. It's not a lone walk. Actually, we do need one another. But the very reason we don't want to confess it is because there'll still be, there'll be people in this congregation, men and women, and that, that are addicted to pornography. And they've got to keep it quiet because if they dare confess it, it might break their marriage apart. It might, they're scared of the shame and the rejection that might come upon them. Let's pray. We can be a church where if someone tells us stuff like that, we're like, you can be free. I'll stand with you until you are free. You know? Because the really brave step is then you walk with them knowing that they might do it again. And you still can't judge them and say, well, you've done it too much now. Because it, it, I just think there's a whole nother level of acceptance of coming amongst us. You know? But it's... it's 
The goal is purity. The goal is righteousness. I've also seen it in a community many years ago when I was part of a group, when we called ourselves a community, where there came an honesty, although it wasn't really an honesty, it was more sharing negativity than sin, but let's, it's similar. But instead of, and this is why it became a problem, and it, it destroyed the community really, what happened was everybody accepted not just the person, but the sin and the negativity. And it became that it's, everybody does it, so it's just normal. And nobody got free because it was okay. So that, that's the trap of the other side where, you, where the church is great on one hand that everybody can, you know, be honest, but they weren't really being honest because they weren't living. They're saying, oh, we're being real. Yeah, you're not being real. That's not where Christ has placed you. People say, oh, I'm not being, if, if I'm being real, I've got to be moaning and negative and, 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 and saying how bad everything is. No, that's not being real. Real is you are in Christ. Real is he will lead you from victory to victory. Real is from glory to glory. Real is that you are partakers of the divine nature. And sometimes you can feel really, you know, I'm not talking about strong medical cases here, but you're just really down. And so you step up and somebody say, oh, that's false. That's putting on a face. That's not being real. No, that's faith. That's saying that miserable person is the old me. That's the individual that died on the bottom of the baptismal pool. And I'm feeling really like that baptismal that person right on the bottom. But actually, I'm here now. And I'm going to step into that. I am an overcomer, not an acceptor of all the bad stuff. But then put all that in a culture of people that are able to confess. I'm not talking about that every single person comes up on a Sunday morning and reels off a list of everything they've done that week. That would be ridiculous. <laughs> you know, you don't confess everything to everyone. <laughs> and in fact, you, have to, you, you, you do make sensible decisions. If you, if it's particularly, you know, if somebody's look, trusting you and, and something... You, that might not be the person to go straight to first, straight away because you might cause them to sin in that they can't cope with it. So you use wisdom. But for too long, it's going to be one of those last bastions of individuality, of my individual walk with God, where we actually genuinely share more than I had a nasty thought this morning. Or or I was irritated at the person that pulled out in the traffic. That's sin, and that's right, and that's the beginning. But actually, there's some other stuff that we just need to start being honest. And it's going to transform us. Because how secure will we be in God when we see godly people around us who have not rejected us? Hallelujah. That's going to be coming. There's elements of it now, but that's going to grow and grow because the people that are coming, that's the, that's the community God wants them to be part of. And the people like us that are part of it now have got to show the way. We've got to be Christians. And we, because the people that come will join not just what we say, but what we live like and what we do. And we don't want them to just be individuals that live in their own houses and pop along to church on a Sunday but that we grow as the body together and live together. We are shameless 
Because Jesus has dealt with all shame. We can confess the depression with one another. So many Christians are too ashamed to say, I was in depression. Or they feel it would disqualify them for leadership or trust or anything. We've got to get past that and see many people in this congregation, in their time in this congregation, will have a period of depression. Kate has. Kate's had a period of depression while she's been a leader here. But we walk through. I found depression in my wife harder to deal with than cancer. Because with cancer, we were together. But depression pulled us apart. It's not a lesser thing. It's not, oh, it's just something in you. It's horrible. But so many other things, fears and anxieties. And we can just say, well, just believe and you'll be okay. Or we can walk with them and enable them to believe and they'll be okay. So easy to judge. And <laughs> we, we heap condemnation through lack of faith on them. <laughs> on top of everything else that they're going through. Particularly mental illnesses. So many Christians are made to feel guilty on top of everything else they're going through. That's not the work of God. God doesn't make people feel guilty in the sense of condemnation. And if people come to conviction, that's so that they can be free. Conviction always has, and that's the way out. Sorry, I've talked a lot. Uh, it's, all in the right, it's all in this context of harvest, because we're going we're gonna to pray for harvest for the rest of the evening. That's what we're going to do. We're going to cry. We're going to cry out. I'll leave the microphone on there as well. Don't let there be a slow passage. We may end up in groups, we may not. We're going to start with this song. I used it again and again, actually, in the end, down in, in, uh, at the leaders' conference, because there's something, it's from Elevation Worship, there's something in it that's caught the spirit of what God is doing now in the nations. It's to do with harvest, it's to do with all sorts of things. You'll see from the lyrics, you might know it, you might not know it. Let's... Um, But we're going to stand. We're not just going to watch it. We're going to stand. And we're going to use it to worship from the beginning. And then we'll just go into a flow of prayer. If the band want to go up and do something, they can go up. Hallelujah. We'll just go in a flow. Yeah, I did mean that. You can go up if you you feel it's right. (laughs) Oh, that's tough. Hallelujah. Come on, let's show the uh, video then, please, guys. That's it. Hallelujah. Come on, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Glory. Fullness of eternal promise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Stirring in your sons and daughters. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources by Kingdom Faith and for our other audio and video podcasts, please visit kingdomfaith.com forward slash Yorkshire.